Big Lens Fast Shutter isn't supported by mattress companies, shave kits, home delivery of food services. BLFS is supported by people like me. Join me. Support the guys. Patreon.com slash BLFS. Coming up, Matt is done with hockey and Rodeo is Indie Horizon. I'm promoting bouldering again. Assignment desk was disaster as usual. Masterclass, we ask you to freeze action once and for all. Some questions and pledge cues. And we obviously talk about the white elephant in the room in Cross Counter. Episode 70 is next. You cannot be serious. That ball was on the line. Konnichiwa, this is you, Vocal. Shalom, this is Matt Cohen. Welcome to Big Lens Fast Shutter, where we demystify the world of sports photography. And if you have forgotten, and I know you haven't, it is never too late to send a couple of bucks our way. Since this is a 100% user-funded audiovisual entertainment, please go to patreon.com slash blfs and show us how much you love us. That is p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash b-l-f-s. Because we are here to make you a better sports photographer. Matt Cohen. News. Here news. Both Ryu and I will tell you our best and worst shoot of the previous month. And we talk about ourselves because we're egomaniacs. Yes, Matt Cohen. What happened? What Good and bad. I only had good shoots. I shot a bunch of hockey. I got really lucky in that on the days where I was shooting, there were good positions available, which means the ones that you can see the whole ice from. And so I just took advantage. I shot a lot and got a lot of pictures that I've been trying to get for the last couple of years, but couldn't get from the kind of limited view positions on the ice so that part of it was good but my hockey season is over and i have about three weeks to get ready for rodeo ah rodeo season coming to the town near you did uh so like one two football shoots i had a lot of like portraits that i had to shoot for uh, a magazine so i was traveling for that and i shot uh climbing i uh, going back to the football thing it's not the most important thing, sorry, is that uh, I'm going to the World Cup. So, which means that I'll be making a book, which means I will be telling you guys all about it as we get a bit closer to it. That being said, I've not shot that many football just because I've been bit busy just in general with other things. Did the Barcelona Real Madrid shoots and then I did a climbing thing. But for those of you, like I've actually kind of hyped out about climbing a couple of times over here, but. What's really important is that I would wish that people would have a chance to, you know, go and see competitive uh, bouldering, not the lead climbing, not with the ropes, but ones without it, because it is an exciting sport. And also, like, I've been doing this for about two years, and I haven't actually shot that many competition. The people who have, who I have met, the organizing people, as well as the uh, the climbers, they've been just absolutely fantastic. It's really akin to, like, for instance, I got a ride from the guy who was the world number one last season, last year. Like, he was going the same direction, and I was going, you know, same, like, the, his hotel is close to mine. You hitchhiked 
with one of the people that you were shooting is that what you're saying yeah one of the climbers so like he's the yeah. world number one okay. so it's like getting like right, but um, it's it's not really journalistic you know principles at work there I don't, I don't care it's a free ride I don't it doesn't really matter <laughs> that's basically like you know kind of getting your ride from Cristiano Ronaldo type of thing and then I was talking the queen of uh, bouldering and she was quite happy with the fact that that I am shooting the whole women's comp like the women's like climbers in a way that it's hell of a lot more feminine than the other people shoot which I thought was really interesting so I wish that more people would actually go and see it. It's an exciting sport. You know, if you get a chance, go and shoot it as well. If you, it's, it's really, if you get to like really high competition stuff, it gets, it's really quite exciting stuff. Bad shoots? None either. I haven't actually had anything bad recently. I'm sure it's going to, yeah, I'm sure it will happen quite soon. Just kind of these things kind of go around. That's about it with news. But we have a lot of things that like just administrative stuff and things that we need to kind of talk about. Part of it that uh, we do ask you to rate us on iTunes. There's a lot of people who, who listen to us on iTunes. And some people have um, put in a review for us on iTunes. And it's it's a big deal that people actually do this because the more we have, at this point, we're basically neck and neck with Getty Images uh, Sports Photography Podcast. They actually have one. Yeah. You know, and I'm sure it's not interesting because... You know, obviously the the one we have is the best one possible. But I would appreciate that people would actually write reviews for us because the last time we had one was 2015. Um, I'm just going to read um, all the reviews I can actually read over here. So please, if you can write something, that would be great. So if you want to improve your sports photography, this is the podcast to listen to. And the other one is by Kurt T. He says, the only uh, podcast that tells you how it is, your first stop if you want to improve your sports photography, followed by the Associated Flickr group, of course. Of course. Thank you. The third one is, I've been listening to this podcast for uh, two years. Really good listen and super informative. It leaves you wanting more each time. Excellent non-sugar-coated critiques that help you improve as sports photographer and does a brilliant job of presenting ways of seeing and shooting differently to the mainstream. And that was by Russ MCR. And this is Cervello for any budding sports photographer's insight into business, the angles and techniques you need. And finally, by Slim Shodi, an informative and valuable series of podcasts that every sports photographer should listen to religiously. Yes. Uh, P.S. The title is in, uh, in joke because uh, he says, Rewiz of Dick. And I, I am. It's very easy to write a review for iTunes. I would appreciate you, actually, if you've not written one, and if you have an iTunes do you need you know it's no you need like a paid iTunes iTunes accounts do you you just need to like have an iTunes account right in general yes yeah so you can just write one and I would really appreciate it that you guys write these things because we want to beat Getty <laughs> <laughs> and it's actually better to have a lot of um, reviews on these things it does actually matter on rankings and things like that and more people listen to it better everything will be so the next thing is uh, I just want to thank a couple of people who pledged for us in the past uh, month or two. Uh, Bob Gary Pie pledged us uh, $10 per month. So thank you, Bob. I really appreciate it. Next one is Do uh, Robert Dahlberg. He pledged us $20. So thank you very much. Bumped up his uh, thing from 1 to 10. So thank you, Ninlay. And that is it for kind of housekeeping. And I will turn it over to Matt Cohen, who's got a very, 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 very important message for people who... Love Matt Cohen. <laughs> Go ahead. That's a very, very small population. <laughs> I don't know if that population could support its own podcast. It's probably like two cats and about one or two human beings. Half, about it. like half a human. 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, so I am doing two workshops this spring. They're actually in a month from now. If you like training ground, if you like the stuff that we do here, this is kind of an in-person representation of that. It's going to be at a school where high school kids are learning how to ride bulls and bucking horses. It's in Marysville, California, April 23rd and April 24th. And you can find more info on that at mattcohenphoto.com slash workshops. It's just going to be full day shooting, critiquing, answering questions, you know, putting together a take from the whole day, discussing what you should be working on next. So yeah, I think it's a good way to get a lot better very quickly if you can deal with uh, some <laughs> pretty harsh criticism like we dish out on critical beatdown and on training ground. Uh, but if you're looking to get better and you don't care about that, then you should definitely check it out mattcohenphoto.com slash workshops. I will have the link to the Matt Cohen workshop series on the podcast. Like when you actually go to our webpage and you know that kind of stuff, you can actually check it out. If you're interested in this, talk to Matt Cohen, send him an email, contact him. If you're paying him, he's usually going to be very, very nice about it. After you pay him, probably not, but you know, until you pay, he's going to be very, very nice about it. And you'll probably learn no, you're not probably. You'll most likely, no way. You'll definitely learn a lot about shooting, not just probably rodeo, but you can actually take that, what you've actually learned from Matt Cohen and this rodeo thing, and you can apply it to a lot of sporting events. Yeah, that's that's a good point. It's, it's at a rodeo school because that's the events that I can get access to, but the things you learn will be applicable to a lot of other things so keep it in mind it's been a long news and everything but uh, that's about it and we will move on to master class and all that kind of stuff We give you an assignment and you show us if you've been listening don't doze off and show us that you've been an attentive student or a bad one and yes, like, you know, something is very consistent in life, you know, like, for instance, uh, my wife gets angry at me once a day. Uh, my daughter cries once a day. And I have to admit, assignment desk is always shit every single month. I mean, there are some who are not shit, but like it's a, that that number is very small. And you guys never disappoint us just sending us really shitty pictures when we actually ask you to do something. Um, we've asked you to take pictures of just kind of showing temperatures, weather, seasons. You know, it's quite important when you're doing these type of things to be able to kind of convey the heat or the cold or the season through your images. That's what we got. So, Matt Cohen, you want to you wanna take it away? I don't know. Yeah, this this is... So let's take a look at Reed's picture because I think that, you know, you can kind of see how... Look at how much of what's going on here was, was just given to him. Like, Reed, at this point, had to put on a jacket and have a plastic bag over his camera and be cold for a little bit. But he lives somewhere where it's cold, so he's probably used to it. That's all been done for you. They they gave you the, the teams. They gave you the snow. 
on the ground they gave the snow coming down and all you had to do was make an interesting picture in all of that and all you did was make a picture of what was going on that's not interesting when you see something mm-hmm. like this your mission should be i'm coming out of here with a great picture and if i have to lay down in the snow or if i have to be out here all day i'm going to i'm going to get that picture and this just isn't it's just not that this is just a picture yeah that's great that you got it in focus it's great that it's properly exposed but it's just boring and then adding the snow on top of it doesn't make it any more interesting than it already was so you have to find settings like this which not everybody can do so when you do take advantage of it if i was given this situation that this is like whatever like an amateur slight maybe it's like you know higher amateur level competition you have so much access you have so many different things you can do you know this is the one that you could just come up with there's so many things you can just do and it's snowing on on top of that it's snowing i'd understand if the snow's you know fallen and there's no snow falling but when it's snow falling there's a lot of things you can do with snow falling and you didn't do it michael's thing is not a good picture to start with like it's, it's it's all hazy and it's not a good hazy like it's just not quite not very beautiful i know he could do a lot better than this uh rebound photo it's just snow like if it's just snow like we like <laughs> we didn't ask you to take a picture of snow there's a big difference of us asking you to take a picture of snow or take picture using snow and the whole point was to use snow to just make an interesting image on top of the fact that you if you have snow then you can basically convey a kind of imagery of cold and temperature and same thing seasons and like Deborah's thing is whatever like she didn't do anything at all and i think the best one is tom and carlina's thing i don't really understand either like what, what's going on is that like a typhoon or something like a, what's going it looks on like a uh what is that it looks like now in the pa- it looks like one of the ghosts in Pac-Man. Like a tornado? All right. I think people might be a little bit confused about when we talk about snowy pictures or sandy pictures or sweaty pictures or you know, we if we give you a specific assignment, that's not like you don't fulfill the assignment by going and taking a picture of that thing or taking a picture in those conditions or something. That's just the minimum to get into what we're talking about here. That's like if you were keywording your pictures. Let's say you were. Let's pick one here. Oh wait, hold on, Matt Cohen. If you want to like know what we're talking about, you can. You too can look at shitty pictures at Flickr dot com and search for Big Lens Fashioner. Go to our group page and look for a thread that says Assignment Desk EP seventy Temperature Weather and Seasons. So just so you know. All right, go ahead. Yeah, and and it'll be linked in the blog post about yeah. this episode but let's use rebound photos picture as an example and this is at some kind of a uh, all-weather car race or something like that and it's like the pits or the trailers or something and driver who's walking you know across like a, a driveway or something and there's a, a bunch of trailers and other people huddled around on the other side and so my point about this would be yeah there's snow in this and maybe if you were kind of keywording your photo archive and you would say okay well there are helmets and trailers and race car drivers in uniform and snow 
all of those things would be keywords. But if somebody came to you and, and said, show me a great picture of snow, you wouldn't send them this picture because what there's nothing going on. There's nothing interesting happening at all. And the snow is just packed onto a, on, onto a tarmac somewhere. So what you want to do is you want to be able, if somebody says, do you have a great picture of snow and you show them this incredible rugby picture of this guy completely laying out to catch a ball and, oh, there just happens to be snow all around him. Yes, that's what you're looking for. But when somebody calls you and says, we want a great snow picture and you have, you know, an average kind of action picture that also has snow, nobody's going to use that picture for anything. So it's really, what have you done? You've just shown that you can stand outside in the snow and take a picture. And that's not what we're trying to do here. You need to do, it needs to fit into the assignment, but it also needs to be a great picture no matter what. If you make a great picture and it doesn't fit in the assignment desk, you still have a great picture. But if all you do is say, say yes, I managed to get snow into a frame, it doesn't satisfy anything here. So these things that we tell you to do, this is a way of teaching you how to shoot in these conditions or looking for certain things or to think a certain way, but it still has to be a good picture at the end of it. Nobody's going to get a pat on the head because... 30% of the picture is snow. It's just not how it works. I mean, I like Tom Beery's stuff, like, because it tells you a bit of a story and everything as well, but I don't know, I kind of expected more better than this. Kevin's, I want to just go back. Yellow-eyed penguin, like, like, what is this? What? Rain? Snow? I don't get it. Like, I, I don't understand. You are telling a story, okay, by your picture. Not by, hey, here's the picture, and I'm going to write the description here explaining why this picture is here. I don't want that. Like, we definitely don't want that. We want you to explain yourself by using your picture. So, so looking at Yellow Eyed Penguin's picture of somebody, um, this is a volleyball player hitting the ball in the rain, and you, you can definitely see that it's raining, but other than that, it's just a, it's just another volleyball picture, just absolutely inconsequential other than some drops of rain in the frame so what would we be looking for well they're having a volleyball tournament in the rain the interesting thing to me isn't that one one person is hitting a ball in the rain i want to see like wet sand caked all over the place i want to see things that you wouldn't ordinarily see when people are playing volleyball are there puddles in the court where ordinarily it's just white sand do they have to rake it in between every point and there's some cool patterns or something like that? Like these are the kind of details that you're looking for that takes, yes, he uh, figured out how to incorporate what we were talking about into, oh yeah, he just happened to make an awesome picture that has some things that we were talking about in it. That's the difference. So context, yes, it's raining, but what is the rain doing to a volleyball tournament? Things like that. Like Kevin, like, that's just lazy because it's ice hockey and it's inside. Like, this doesn't really do it. Read. Yeah, I mean, kind of that way, you know. I don't know. Like, if it's snowing, I think it's just a lot better things you can actually. Like Matt said, like, we want you to make a good picture out of the assignment that we give you. You know, not just, like, incorporating the snow there. But, like, using the snow to actually make something interesting. And this is, like... Just don't think you're like trying. Like I, I don't understand what this whole this whatever thing is by Carlina. Like I find that really interesting. But I don't know what the hell's going on. Sim Shodi, there's no weather or temperature or anything over there. It's okay. You know we're used to it. There's a suckiness is always gonna be there, and it's fine. It's part of the po part of the point of Simon Dust is, is going to suck, and hopefully, if hopefully we're clear and what what we ask every month for you to do, 
and it has not then it's really up to us to make it clear but i think this was actually quite clear you guys didn't really you know get it done try to do more on your own and, and post it on the, the Flickr group page or you move on to the next one and we will tell you about it i guess now do i have to even cut into masterclass uh we can keep going okay okay now we're gonna just move on smooth segue into masterclass And what we're going to ask you is to shoot something that is either, okay, so listen very, very carefully, please, either impact, which means, say, it's a baseball game, and the bat will impact the ball. So we want the moment of impact. If it's uh, football or soccer, whatever you want to call it, the feet is, the foot is hitting the ball, so that impact, or the head. If it's boxing, it's a moment of impact, the guy, the, you know, the glove is got hitting the guy's other body parts, would be the, the head or whatever, you know what I mean, okay, tennis, ball, whatever, yeah. So that has to be the main theme, but I'm asking you to take a good photo. If you can't do that, if you're not actually shooting a sport that has got a lot of impact in it, um, we're gonna ask you to shoot in the air. So the main subject needs to be airborne. So if it's a car, it could be airborne. If it's a human being, it could be airborne. It doesn't matter any sport. You want to add back, Owen? No, I don't. I, I just want to say that, again, thinking of what we were just talking about in the last month's assignment desk and applying it to Masterclass, the reason that we picked these two topics, they were originally two separate topics as we were brainstorming what we should do for this episode and we combine them because they both involve timing and anticipation and knowing what you're shooting well enough to have the anticipation to work on the timing to get the picture that you need and that's what we're going to have you do this month using what we just talked about from last month into this month does this mean that Somebody heading a ball 50 yards away, somebody jumping up in the air to head a soccer ball 50 yards away from you qualifies to this. Yeah, that would be an airborne picture. Is that what we're looking for? Is that what we're pushing you to do here? No, that's not. I want you to think a little bit differently about this because impact can mean a lot of different things. Is it somebody tackling somebody else and watching somebody's helmet get twisted around or is it only the foot of a long jumper going into the sand at the end of a jump. There are many different ways that you can do impact. There's many different ways that you can do airborne because we're not saying if that person needs to be 50 feet in the air on you know, trapeze or something like that, or if they need to be three inches off the ground because they were diving to catch the ball or something like that. So... Again, think of the extremes of what we're talking about. Think of somebody who's very far away being a little bit off the ground to somebody who's very close to you being way off the ground. Think about impact on a macro scale. Think about impact on a micro scale. I want to see you thinking about how to interpret this. I do not want to see pictures like the ones we just saw where you could point to it and say, look, they're in the air or look, there's an impact. That's not the point. The picture needs to be good. The idea needs to be interesting. It needs to be something that we haven't seen before. And also, it needs to satisfy the requirements that the competition is. So keep all those things in mind while you're doing this. And again, knowing as much as you can possibly know about what you're shooting, having the experience and knowing, okay, if somebody is running this way, there's a good chance that there's going to be a collision because 
I'm shooting hockey and it's right in front of the goal and that's where a lot of collisions happen. Or I am shooting baseball and I know that I can time the ball hitting the bat and I'm just going to put on a really long lens and try to get the all the dust coming off of it or something. These are the things that we're looking for and they need to be interesting pictures along with satisfying the requirements. Uh, Alright, so we're going to move on and talk about something else. So... Yeah. Yes. Hello. It's Pledge Cues. Not many. I don't know why. Um, hey, if you are pledging to us, please ask away because this is, I mean, you get this like as part of a package. So please ask the questions. You can uh, find the questions um, at flickr.com. Uh, you search for Big Lens Fast Shutter. And you'll find a group, and in the discussions, there should be a thread called Listener Cues in the episode number. So, ask away there. So, Michael K is asking this uh, this time around, how often, if ever, do you carry a flash to games and events to use as fill or for other purposes? I do, because I use it to light things up. There are a lot of things you can actually do with a flash, but not as a fill because like you know they're kind of moving and everything and you basically if you're using the fill you can't move the flash around because you're off somewhere else and you have to wait for that person to actually get there right it's like a basketball type of thing situation like yeah i can't do it so i only use it for certain times but uh yeah that's it for me you know if i'm going to shoot a portrait or if i know that i need to light something specifically then i'll probably end up taking just like my full lighting case i'm not like a strobist like i'm (laughs) i'm fine that people are into that kind of thing but i don't find setting up 15 speed lights uh to be all that much fun and you know i just really don't find the payoff to be all that worth it and having one speed light when it takes up the space and weight that another lens could i just i don't really it's not useful enough to me to do anything with I'm not saying that you shouldn't do that. I'm also not, I'm certainly not saying, we were talking about this the other day on training ground with basketball because you should be strobing high school basketball. And you can do that in a very basic, limited kind of way with two speed lights and that's fine. But yeah, fill with one speed light or even, you know, portraits or whatever. I just, I don't do any of that. So no, I, I don't, I don't really carry my speed lights very often at all. But if you if there's a reason, if you know like there's going to be this situation and this is the kind of picture that I want, then that's fine. But I just find it limiting in a way that um, doesn't justify bringing it when you could bring another piece of gear. Simon A. West is asking, I've seen some photographers removing or taking their batteries out of cameras after events and storing the batteries separately and also notice that they don't bring camera bodies with batteries loaded. Is there any reason you know for this and related question uh, do you recharge batteries after every event or use even if not much rundown or do you tend to only charge batteries when they get low tend to wait till a battery is getting low before charging it knowing I have a fully charged spare in my bag um, I have no idea I've never seen people take their batteries out and putting back in and 
that I don't know. And then the other one, um, I charge it when it gets low because like if it's a D5, like it lasts quite a long time, and um, I can probably take like I don't know three matches quite easily, football matches, you know, with because it does last a long. But D4 is really terrible. D4 and D4, so it's just like it didn't last that long, especially the D4. But the D5, it lasts a long, long, long time. So I charge, and I have uh, a spare. So I have two bodies and a spare. So I have like three, uh, I have three batteries, and I have one spare all the time, just in case something happens. But that's my take on the whole thing. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, people have these bizarre kind of rituals with with gear. I'm not really sure why people would take I, I mean i think with any kind of battery powered electronics you're not supposed to leave batteries in for an extended period of time if you're not using it even when i'm not busy i'm still shooting a few times a week and i don't really feel the need to be precious about take remembering to take batteries out or remembering to charge them i just don't do any of that and what re was saying about the d5 is very true it's it's really almost completely alleviated any kind of battery stress that anybody would would have i mean i went on a trip last year it was a five it was a five day trip and i was shooting at least twice every day some of the days three times so it was it was something like 10 or 12 times that i was shooting across five days and i didn't bring my battery chargers or my backup batteries and i only had two batteries with me and I managed to shoot all five days on those two batteries, something like more than 10,000 pictures total on two batteries. Yeah. Having extra batteries is good in case something goes wrong, but you can get a lot on there. And so worrying and taking things out and leaving a charger and all, it just doesn't seem worth it to me. Just if, if you, if you look at your battery and you have, you know, more than half full on it, you should be good to shoot whatever, and if you don't, then you should charge it. And if you're going to not be shooting for months on end, then, yeah, maybe take the batteries out and seal everything up. But other than that, I, I really don't think that any of that's necessary. Yeah, because we've come, like, a long way with the whole battery technology thing for everything. And I do kind of tend to think battery is something that you use, and if it, you know, starts going bad, then you change it. You know, you can't, like, I don't know, baby batteries just... They're perishable stuff, you know, even if they are uh, rechargeable ones. So Kevin Sosa is asking, is there such a, is there such thing as too many photos? How many photos do you share with your clients after covering an event? I feel like I've given too many and takes away from the ones I really like. Oh, yeah. <laughs> There's, this yeah. is not even up for debate. Yeah, you have to do less. Like, you, you can take a, a lot of photos. That's fine. But if you choose them, like I do, not really for, like, the, the action sports stuff, but I do a lot of portraits for athletes and for magazines. And, like, I give them, for the main picture, like, I give them selection of maybe up to three. And I just choose the ones I like. And I have to say, for this one and for, like, couple of magazines that I, I, I do work for on a, on a regular basis I've built up enough confidence in them that they know that I will choose the, the right ones and I want them to kind of like you know be a bit challenging in the stuff that they that they will actually use for their magazines and I, I kind of want them to kind of push the envelope because I'm trying to push it so if I send them a very safe picture and if they use that then what's the point of actually the whole thing and 
so in a way it does kind of depend for me like what kind of relationship you have with the actual media but what you want in general is to make sure that they have the best picture that you've created that day that you think you've created that day but don't give them too many options like maybe two or three is really enough but it really just depends on your client as well and on your medium yes absolutely limit the number of pictures that you give to anybody and yes it does dilute and distract and all of that so if you let's say you you have there's a sequence and it's two players going after something and you know they both run into each other and they both fall down and they're both sliding across the ice and you have all of it and you have 20 pictures and yet yeah, do you send them all 20 because they're all great no you definitely do not because somebody at some point is going to have to make a decision and if you're looking at those pictures and the decision there let's say they're all uh landscape orientation so because a lot of times you have to say well maybe the editor only wanted to run something that was portrait or maybe they only wanted to run something that was landscape but if you're sending them 20 pictures and they all could only be landscape then all you're doing is making them make a decision and you're the one that was there you know what was going on you do not need to send them all those pictures you make the decision you send it to them they'll be happy that they got a picture that they can use or three pictures at the most or something like that. But you definitely don't need to send them all of that. I would definitely err on sending fewer than more. There's like, it's like paralysis by analysis or something like that. Like if you give people too many choices, they'll sit there and they'll debate and they'll click back and forth between all of them and just save them all the time. Make yourself look better by sending them 20 great pictures from a game instead of 70 mediocre pictures and 20 great pictures because the 20 great pictures won't look as good swimming in a sea of other pictures that don't look as good so yeah i limit it wherever i can there are definitely some times where the client owns everything like if they hire you to go somewhere and shoot on a work for hire kind of basis then you don't really have much choice if they insist on all of the pictures then they get all of them other than that i would definitely limit it as much as you could um, this actually came from Bob D outside of the thing, but we're just putting it here because I just kind of, I think he didn't know where it was, the, the question was supposed to be sent. My question for episode 72 is, you guys seem to disfavor, discourage jube shots. So this is like celebration. I think it's called jubilation shots. It's called different, different things in, the. Uh, oh, they love to call it jube over here. Yeah. It's called cellies in, uh, in the UK. So celebration Ugh, shots. So bad. So bad. Yet, when I look at what gets most often posted in the press, especially car races or some of the most iconic sports photos ever, Clay standing over Liston, World Series, there are a disproportion, disproportion number of Jew shots. What a personal disinterest, disdain in Jews. That disdain aside, what, in your opinion, makes for great, memorable Jew shots? I think like if Matt Cohen was here or if I was actually there with Matt Cohen, so it's out in California or Berlin, we're just going to like, after we read this question, we're just going to look at each other. Because we definitely never said this. Actually, probably on the on the contrary, you've actually did people too. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the opposite. Many, 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 many times. And and I'm I'm just guessing that he's new and maybe heard something out of context or, you know, we, we didn't like a picture and he extrapolated that across old pictures that were like that or something but uh if you've been here for longer than a few months 
you know that we encourage this all the time. If you go back through the masterclass episodes, the easily, easily the most popular topic that we cover is emotion. We've done it so many times that every time we do it now, we have to point out how many times we've done it before. Uh, we don't. The like, if, if the only thing I don't like about any of this is the word jube or the word celly, like, you know, I just, I want emotional pictures and I don't care where they come from or what they're called or whatever. I'm definitely going to do it. And we encourage that, not discourage it. Yeah, we don't have anything more to say about this. Um, yeah. This is by Kevin Sosa. So he was asking about, what is it? Panning using strobes. So now I kind of realized that he was, uh, we did the um, training ground yesterday. He, he submitted for training ground which is still shit anyway. It doesn't really matter if he's actually used strobe or not. So he was asking about this whole, took this photo recently and it's panning a photo using stadium strobe light. Can anyone explain to me why the advertisement boards are in focus while the players are blurred as expected? So that was the question. Um, oh yeah, I did. I answered that yeah, yesterday. So it's all answered. So if you're curious about this, uh, you can go and check training ground and Matt Cohen has actually answered this question. Um, by the way, I have actually used strobes while panning, uh, this past weekend, I was shot a downhill, uh, cycling event in Sheffield in the UK. Yeah, it's fun. Maybe you get one chance to do it because you're going really, really fast, you know, and you're quite, you're they're quite uh, close and what I also realized because I was using my um, speed light my Nikon speed light and the connection between the speed light and uh, the camera was um, uh, infrared it's so bad and infrared is it's so bad. terrible like and I'm, I'm, I'm always really fed up and I, I've decided to actually change uh, stuff this weekend because I, I, I think I'm, I'm just fed up with this is infrared I need, I need radio controlled ones yeah, this is this is this is good. Like we don't really do gear all that much here, but if you're ever in a situation where somebody's saying, "Oh yeah, just get these infrared triggers or no, infrared anything or whatever," just laugh at them and run the other way. It should be all radio controlled and and yeah, but it's like because of the fact that I do use strobes, um, speed lights, you know, um, on occasions, and but I usually hold them. I don't like put them up somewhere. I just I use them handheld. But the communication between the two is really like if you're in a room, it's much better because I apparently like they bounce around and you know not the radio control, but the infrared stuff. But it depends on like where you sit and it's it's so unreliable because there has to be a line of sight between the two and if there isn't then it doesn't work but that i think is the last question we have for this time please if you're a patreon uh pledge person or people you may ask questions once every episode and please do ask them because it's your right and you know you're not getting like it's like go you're paying for gym membership you're not going type of thing you know so please do if you're not a patreon uh member and a pleasure and if you want to become one please go to patreon.com slash blfs and that is p a t r e o n dot com slash blfs and you can you know send money our way so that's about it think we only say bad things about sports photography you say we got no soul hell no we're gonna prove you wrong with crush 
counter. Time to hold your fellow sports photographer's hands as we tell you why a specific sports photograph makes us quiver with joy. We had the Winter Olympics. <laughs> Most people don't care. Um, Japanese people do care because the men's figure skating champion for this one uh, actually won back in Sochi as well. And this is, I think it's the first time ever to win two consecutive gold medals. And he did that and that was a big deal in Japan. And he's the most probably, probably right now, the the most famous uh, famous athlete in Japan right now is Yuzuru Hani, who is the, the figure, the men's figure skater. He's just, he's super famous. But for the rest of the world, I guess like if you're like, you don't like live in a snowy country, like, you know, parts of Europe and parts of Canada or we don't really care. But we do care because it's sports photography. Michael K sent us an article about the kind of ins and outs of this type of photography. This probably is better if you actually have a look at it. So I will have the um, the link for this. So the NewYorkTimes.com, there's a special thing for this uh, Pyeongchang Olympics. And uh, not Pyongyang because I said that and my wife said, no, that's in North Korea and that's not in South Korea. It's Pyeongchang. And uh, this is the title of the, the article is The Speed of 12 Olympians Capturing the Twists and Turns and Leaps and Fractions of a Second. This like multiple, it's not really multiple exposure because they do this like in post production. You can't do this. I guess you can to a certain degree, you but you cannot. Yeah, you, you, you can't do this. Yeah. You, you, you can't. can't do, uh, like some of these are 50, 70 exposures on here. So basically it was just shoot as many possible times the camera could go in the time where the person was in the frame. Like one of these slalom skiing ones, there are, has to be what? 70, yeah, there's a 80, hundred, maybe different frames. So you can't do that in the camera because they would overexpose. You couldn't have enough computing power going on in the camera to, to make up for the difference. No, in you, can't, like, you can do only what maximum 10 and Nikon. So I'm assuming the same. Right. But even, well, even, you know, so even that do it, it doesn't look right. You know, unless you're, unless no, you, you can't do it this yeah, way. Yeah, you, you you certainly couldn't shoot skiing because then you you just wouldn't even see the hill at all. Anyway, so this is not strictly speaking photography. It's also not strictly speaking something that we would ordinarily even really talk about here. But I think it's interesting. I think it's also a good use of photography in a way that, again, doesn't it? Everything that we do doesn't have to be the way everything is. It's just what we do we don't do a lot of photoshop and the people here decided they were going to use it to tell a story and i think they really did because even if you sit there and watch and i watched a lot of the especially the skiing and the snowboarding you could watch it for a while and even they had slow motion and whatever you could watch 50 runs in a row and not really understand exactly what these guys were doing up in the air and looking at these pictures you can see where they're going from in you know the direction of the board and the in their direction and then where they end up and then go back and look at how they got there i think that's a really good use of photography so i think these are pretty cool even though it's not anything that i would be interested in doing at all but the whole composite thing was i think it was used a lot in action sports i don't know how long ago like it started but like i think i've seen so many of these things i don't really quite get excited about them anymore like i remember when i first saw like those jump things you know for like a snowboard jump what does it call this one woman's slope style like a yeah. man's slope style woman's slope style i got quite excited about it because like oh it's really cool like they can actually like it's you know it's it's cool like i think it's a cool thing that they, they that they've done 
but then obviously like that was maybe I don't know five six years ago and now that I've seen so many of these like I don't really give two shits about them I think for like Matt said like in terms of kind of explaining like how what techniques were used and all these kind of like technical aspects of the, of the sport let it be giant slalom or let it be like slow style let it be figure skating I that's really super interesting to just kind of highlight what went on in the entire sequence of a performance but as a sports photography thing um i do like the the which one was this one women's up and combined one because i like the poles kind of like you know making a that like i just really cool yeah that that part of it's but the rest yeah that's really cool whatever <laughs> like i don't really care that much and it's fine like i i don't really i i if you actually do something like this like maybe we should huh we should actually have a master class in people actually doing this so we quite we should do it shouldn't we yeah, yes we have to get somebody to do it because i don't know how to do it i don't know how to do it either i mean it's just like the youtube thing on and but we should actually use it do it as a, an assignment desk and you try to do um this uh, composite thing with whatever sports you're going to be shooting so it should be quite interesting but that's it though you have anything else to add to this you know this kind of ties into something that i was saying on the training ground that we just did the the idea was to to show yourself how even somebody who's very athletic can be made to look very unathletic that the next time you go out to shoot just isolate one one person and just empty your buffer just shoot as many frames as you can in a row and then when you get home go back and look through those frames and look at the difference between when that person is looking their most athletic and their least athletic and then kind of use that to teach yourself timing and how important the timing is in making great pictures and this kind of gets to that a little bit because if you look at like especially like these feeds these uh figure skaters there are definitely some positions that if you shot them and these are the the greatest figure skaters in the world and if you if you look at some of these frames they look like they have never been on skates before that's the power that you have when you're making choices about when to shoot and then after you shot which pictures you want to show people, you're you want to be going for pictures that make people look athletic, not pictures that people make them look like they've never done that sport before. So the next time you're out, try try doing that. Try, you know, just emptying your buffer, look at all those pictures and then study which positions the body looks better in than other ones and then use that the next time you go out and shoot. Yeah, that's it. So <laughs> I guess I have to Add a little bit more things um if you are interested in getting to know us a bit more and find more information about us please go to biglensfastshutter.com and that is b-i-g-l-e-n-s-f-a-s-t-s-h-u-t-t-e-r.com and you'll find all the information there um our Flickr group page which probably it will be usually is the most used part of the entire podcast and video it's Flickr.com, and you just search for Big Lens Fast Shutter, and you'll be able to actually find our group. And speaking of the group, Deborah, who is also new, we actually have some like couple of new people in the past month or two, and it's very, very encouraging. It's very, very good. And the people who were already like the old people, you know, the, the old folks who are in the group were very, very helpful. And I just want to like say thank you for the people who helped Deborah out. And it's very important that we make the people who are new to this group welcome you know answer their questions help them out and all the nasty things that like you want to tell the person because that person's like photos suck 
leave it to us because we do it probably much better than you guys anyway you know so be helpful and leave the shitty job to us okay and please 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 i'm gonna say it again at the end but like the itunes thing um is very important you go to itunes.com i mean you can just you know type in itunes a big lens fast shutter you would actually find it and please put um, a review for us and it'd be really great if everyone who is listening to this can actually give us a review would absolutely absolutely love it And with that, we end the 70th episode of Big Lens Slash Shutter. Can't do this without you, my beautiful listeners, and obviously Rob with two Bs, our wonderful producer, Extraordinaire. Even if you're not as evil as Matt Cohen, please go to our Facebook page and like us. Better yet, do that and subscribe to our blog at BigLensFastShutter.com so that you won't miss any of our latest and greatest hits. And if you love us even more, please rate this podcast on iTunes. And obviously, if you have that dollar in your pocket or maybe 10 of them, please go to patreon.com slash blfs to recap facebook blog itunes and patreon rinse repeat love us more see you next month and and i need to look at the thing because i don't know okay ah da, 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 da. okay you keep saying that i don't know if that's true or not maybe it feels like you didn't do anything in february uh, i don't know i guess the good part of it was that um uh, um, that's this. Um, I, I'm not. I just. I don't. I is a. Uh, what are we doing? The you know just the good news. Okay. Uh, I'm gonna start. Let's start that completely. Let's. Yeah. Um. Um. So expound on. Uh, anyway. Uh. Expand or whatever on on something that I, I, I just, I wanted to, you know, kind of, ex- and you were, you know, but I mean, I, uh, uh, so, uh, I don't, you know, I, there's a, a driver, there's a, um, um, it, it doesn't, and if you kind of, uh, and yeah, um, uh, he, he found all aboard the giant train, hola hola aboard on a giant train. All aboard the giant train.